Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. He's ready to change your life. Men may not forgive you, he said, but Jesus will. Jesus will. Amen. Amen. Isn't that tremendous? Well, I just wanted to show you that to make sure that you understand that God is still saving people. Do you know, despite what the world may say, despite what many prophets may say today, and by the way, let me just tell you a word, that not every prophet you hear in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, or today actually is giving you the Word of God. Unless it lines up with God's Word and God's single intent, then you need to set that prophecy aside. I'm not telling you to you know, start judging everything that you're hearing in some other way, but do judge it by the Word of God. Because the Word of God is what we must keep in mind. In these last days that we are in, I don't know who else's last days it is, but it's, you know, you know it's, it's my only days. In my only days, we have seen a lot of things come down the road that you really need to just uh, keep a watchful eye on. You know, not everybody that says, thus saith the Lord, is actually hearing from God. Without regard to how much, you know, they may, how passionate they may have, fervent they are, how many scriptures they may quote, without regard to, to, to the things even that, that, that may follow in their ministry. Be watchful, okay? Be very, very watchful. As it was in the days of Jeremiah, there are a lot of people prophesying a lot of different things, but please be careful. Uh, Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse 21 says that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say in that day, did not we prophesy in your name? And didn't we you know, uh, cast out demons in your name? And didn't we do many miracles in your name? He says, and I will say to them, depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. Wow, now that seems rather you know, harsh. And it should concern us. That's Jesus speaking about those people who will come in some day thinking that they are doing the Lord a service. And they aren't. They are prophesying from their own desires or from their own you know, limited knowledge. Uh, you know, I had not planned on saying this, by the way, okay? I, um, I don't even know why I got off on that. But let me just tell you, unless it is pointed at redemption... Redemption is the one story God is telling. The whole Bible only tells one story. Uh, life can be hell. That's the title of my message today. Life can be hell. doesn't have to be, but it can be. And it's very important for us to realize God is telling one story and one story only. It is God's intent that every account in the Bible, that each story in the Bible uh, uh, it is intended to be a picture of God's single intent. Let me tell you what God's single intent is if you haven't uh, um, before categorized it or decided upon it. God's single intent is to rid the earth of sin. Now, there was a time in the Old Testament that, uh, that God 
dealt with sinners in a very harsh way. You've read the Old Testament, but God's intent was still to get rid of sin off the earth. God is dealing with sin. That's what he's doing. That's, you know, uh, that's why he sent Jesus, is to rid the earth of sin. Now, there was a time in the Old Testament that we see the judgment of God and God dealing with sin and dealing with sinners very harshly. In the New Testament... Jesus gave an opportunity for me and you to separate ourselves and for God to separate sin from sinners. God still feels the way he always felt about sin, but he has separated sin from sinners through Christ, through forgiveness of sin and through being born again, whereby we are reconciled to God. But God is still intent on ridding the earth of sin. And the book of Revelation tells us that in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no sin. Only righteousness will dwell there. The Bible only tells one story. And every account and each story plays into that scenario of God dealing with sin. God is not today in the business of judging sinners. Don't misunderstand me. God hates sin. But we are in a, if you will, a dispensation of grace. In the Old Testament, God was a God of judgment. He was an angry God. He was a God that, that, that you could see that he was, I mean, uh, he was killing people. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ covered us in a period of grace. And from the advent of Christ's death and the coming of the Holy Spirit until the church is taken off the earth, we are in a dispensation of grace. It's not that God feels different about sin. It's not that God is happy with sin. It is God is giving us a chance to separate ourselves from the sin. And God is giving a chance for as long as the door is open. And one day, at what we understand to be the rapture, the church will be taken off the earth and we will step into a tribulation period whereby God will again judge sin and sinners at the same time but don't mistake the day we are in if God was angry with you or angry with us he's not angry anymore he took all of his anger and he hung it on a cross but one day we will enter back into a tribulation period and that's not today Today, every scripture that we read and every story and every account and every character in the Bible plays into the single intent that God has. And God tries to give us picture after picture after picture after picture of his saving grace, of his hope, of his work. He is not willing that any perish. And he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any perish. And he has placed his judgment on hold. One day there will be a great 
white throne judgment. One day we will be judged. One day the earth will be judged. One day the earth will be consumed. One day, you know, the, the, the heat and the fervor of God will destroy all the elements as we recognize them. And the heavens will be, you know, inflamed and the earth will be destroyed by fire. We believe that. That's very plain in the Word of God. No one doubts that. But I want you to know that today the grace of God is doing everything He can to save sinners. If God did not save sinners, you would not be here. If God did not save someone's worst enemy, you would not be here. Hello? We are all saved by grace. And it's so important that we don't embrace a judgment on people that we don't like, a judgment on people that, that are doing evil and wrong. Listen, that, 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 you know, right now, yes, there's evil in the world. But you and I, as the Apostle Paul says, in times past, we were a part of that. We were in that system. We lived in a place where we were separated from the promises and the blessings of God. You know, you may not remember. Maybe you were born into a household that was, that, 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 that was you know, uh, 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 filled with Christ. And maybe you lived that life so that all you ever knew was Jesus. I am so excited uh, that that is your experience. Uh, that, that, that may not be everyone's experience. But God loves the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst out here. If he saved the apostle Paul in this period of grace while Paul was persecuting the church and putting to death people like Stephen who was doing nothing but 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 you know preaching the word of God he was praying he was you know he heaven was open Stephen saw heaven open and yet the apostle Paul held the coats of those that stoned him and, and, the, and then the then Saul of Tarsus he was at that time and Saul of Tarsus as he was in his own humanity went and began to persecute the church with vile persecutions and he brought Christians to death Wow. Separated families. And yet God saved him. God saved the Roman jailer. You know, God, listen, God's intent in this period of grace that we live in, and we are so fortunate to live in this day, the grace of God is abundant. The grace of God is sufficient. The grace of God can and desires and will save every soul that comes to him. There is no one out here, regardless of political affiliation, there's no one that Jesus won't save. Regardless of, of culture, custom, regardless of religion, there is no, you know, God is not against people. God is for people. We live in this marvelous day. There is a man, his name is Jesus, and just because you may not know him, just because you may not love him, just because you may have cursed him, just because you may have fought against him, just because you are a, you know, imagining some vile, contemptible action that you could do against him does not in one bit destroy his love and his hope for you. He loves you. He cares about you. And every account in the Bible tells one story. It's the story of redemption. And the only way to interpret Scripture is with Scripture. There is no other way. I'm, I'm, I'm here today telling you about this wonderful Jesus that in every story he, he gives us a picture of redemption. 
Even if you went to the story, the very first one in, in, in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, 2, and 3, it's a story of him saving people. You know? The, you know, if we overlaid salvation, if you overlaid your life on Genesis, you would be the earth that was without form and void and darkness covering the face of your life. You would be the one that God created that ended up in chaos and the Spirit of God coming down and hovering and spending time with you and preparing you and then God saying, let there be light and the light of the world, Jesus Christ, coming into your life and separating the light from the darkness. Every story, every account is the intent of God. You can see what God is doing. This morning we're going to look at, 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 at a passage that may be very familiar to you. It's in Mark chapter 5. You know, uh, and it's going to show us that life can be hell, but it doesn't have to be. You know, when you are united with Christ, all is heaven. And when we are separated from him, all is hell. When you are united with Christ, everything is heaven. Your future is heaven. Everything is heaven. And when you're separated from him, Everything is hell in this life and the life to come. While you're turning your Bibles to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, allow me to make two points and share two points of truth with you this morning. Uh, number one thing while you're finding Mark chapter 5 is that God never abandons us just because we are wrong. He's not going to abandon his pursuit of you just because you're wrong. He's not going to abandon you. Uh, you know, he's, he's not going to hate you. He's not going to stop loving you, stop caring about you, just because you're wrong. Do you know how many people you meet every day that's just wrong? Do you know how many times you are wrong every day? Some people are really, really, really wrong. But God's hope is the church would get out of the business of judging. How much more plain could Jesus be in Matthew whenever he said, judge not? How much more plain could he be to encourage you to not put your opinion and stamp it on someone else's life? He said, you're without excuse, whoever you are, that judges another man. To say whether that man stands or falls before Christ. Listen, I have enough trouble just with myself. It sets us free when we don't feel the responsibility to judge everyone else and condemn them to hell. When we're not blaming everyone else and feeling as though that if they would just like, you know, die or get out of the way, things would be better. Do you know there are whole churches that I'm aware of in our nation today that are praying that some people, they've got them picked out, die? They believe that would be the best. Well, that's not how God feels. They get saved would be the best. Where are all the churches praying for the salvation of these people that they feel are wreaking havoc and causing problems? Where's the heart of God? Well, we're going to look at this passage. Number one, God never abandons us just because we're wrong. A second thing is, you know, God's plan always includes the time that you will need to wait on him. God's plan includes time. 
You know, there are so many things that I have hoped for and wanted and prayed for. There's so many things that I, that I really wanted to see change, and so many of them did in time. And many times I just needed to wait. God's plan includes the time that I need to wait on Him to do His will. If you hear a prophet saying the will of God that God said this and it didn't come to pass and it's because of so-and-so, that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Who in the world would stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, oh well, you know, I did say, thus saith the Lord, so therefore I can't be wrong. So God had to be wrong or God had to be weak or somebody else had to step in between God and his will and somebody thwarted what God wanted hogwash I hear that now so much it makes me want to vomit I was praying this morning and I was saying to the Lord Lord there's no you know I do not want to say anything against what you may be you know saying through someone else but whenever they say that Whenever they say that this is what God said and this is what God wanted and this was what God promised and then it didn't happen and I'm not wrong. God says if somebody prophesies something and it doesn't come to pass, don't be concerned with that person anymore. Oh, come on now. This is good stuff and I hadn't planned any of this stuff, but this is some stuff that, that the church needs. The church needs to realize that we, we handle holy stuff. And the most holy and powerful stuff that we can handle for God is love and forgiveness and hope and prayer. It's not, you know, some feeling of justification because what we said didn't happen. I guess I should say this with a smile on my face. There's, there's a story goes around in preacher circles that that you know this church was having a having a meeting one night and and uh, they were having and, and and someone stand up and 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 said uh, you know thus saith the lord you know, i am with you just like moses i was with moses on the ark <laughs> when they got finished prophesying they sat down Things went on, and then all of a sudden they stood up and said, Thus saith the Lord, the Lord hath made a mistake. It was Noah, not Moses. No, the Lord hath not made a mistake. <laughs> Listen, can we just step over into normal and out of spooky for a moment? You know, you know what my normal is? My normal is I pray and I believe God and I speak in tongues and I lay hands on the sick and I believe in prophecy and I would, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, die before I denied Christ. That's my normal. That's normal. But my normal is not necessarily so spooky that I, that, 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 that I scare in the pants off and I'm, I'm it's absolutely nutty. Some things are nutty. Anyway, well, hey, I better get off this, hadn't I, because... I don't want to dig a hole, but listen to the things, listen to them circumspectly. And, you know, don't just, don't, don't despise prophecy. 
but don't believe things that lead you to believe that the Lord hath made a mistake or that somehow he could not do what he said he would do in the time he said he would do it. Okay? Just push those people to the side. Okay? That's what the Bible says to do with them. Pray for them. Pray they get saved and don't feel the need to do that. Whew. Yeah, Mark chapter 5. <laughs> now, all of that was free, okay? That wasn't even part of my message. That's all, uh, that, 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 that was all free, okay. Um, Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Bless this, bless this little woman's heart. You know, do you know how many times that, that, that she has had to uh, be used to share a truth? Today, we're going to look at her circumstance. We're going to look at her story. And we're going to overlay salvation of our souls and the salvation of other people on top of her story so that we can see once again that her story is more than just a story about her. It has a greater intent. It's painting one more picture. It's drawing one more conclusion to what Christ will do and the process that we go through in life. Okay? Uh, verse 25, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Let me first of all tell you, 12 years is a long time to have any infirmity. And we don't know whether this was, was the result of a pre- or postmenopausal uh, problem or perhaps postpartum hemorrhage. We don't know. But we know that this particular condition is life-draining. It drains you of life. It drains you of energy. It drains you of hope. It drains you, and it's also life-threatening. And here this woman, the picture that we get uh, about her in the very beginning is that it was a particular individual, one person. We all come before God as one person, and we all come to Christ as sinners, with a life-draining, life-threatening problem in our life. Do you know how sin weighs on a person? And many, many times it's more than just 12 years. Many times it can be 20 years, maybe for you 30, 40, 50 years. You have been in a life-draining, life-threatening situation. And there's basically, you know, it, 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 it just seems like it will never end. The problems, the hurts, the fears, the worries, all the the things that drain us of life and energy and make us not even want to go out in public. Make others not even want to be around us. Verse 26, and she had suffered many things from many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Let, 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 let me tell you about this word suffer for a moment. This suffer. She had suffered this, this, this suffering, you know, unless we go back in and study to show ourselves approved, to rightly understand what Jesus is saying here, she had suffered many things from many physicians. First of all, the physician should have known what to help, but, but, but evidently they didn't know what to do. And not only that, but they were people that should be trusted in this circumstance. They should be people who, who, who would be followed. You know, it, it's evident that they cared and they were trying to help. They, were not, they weren't trying to hurt, they were trying to help. 
You know, these physicians are perhaps pictures of your friends, your family, of those in your life, your counselors, your psychiatrists, you know, your whoever else in life that is really trying to help. They're not trying to hurt. They're really trying to help. But they really don't know the remedy. They don't know what to do. Suffered. She had suffered many things. Suffered. Let, let me tell you just a moment uh, from, 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 from one of the commentaries and, and from some of the research and one of the writings of one of the rabbis in that period of time writing about what the, the, the remedy was. What are the therapeutics in that day? What did she suffer? I was interested to know what she went through. Well, listen to this. Uh, 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 Rabbi uh, uh, Johanan writes, this is what you're supposed to do when a woman is afflicted with a hemorrhage. Okay? This is the Jewish rule. Do this. Take of gum Alexandria, of alum, and of crocious hortenses, the weight of a zuzi, whatever that is, and let them be bruised together and given in wine to the woman that hath an issue of blood. But if this fail, take of Persian onions, nine logs, boil them in wine and give them to her to drink, and say, Arise from thy flux. But should this fail... Set her in a place where two roads meet and let her hold a cup of wine in her hand and let somebody come behind her and affright her, scare her, and say, Arise from your flux. But should this do no good, take a handful of cumin and a handful of crocious and a handful of fenu Greek. Let these be boiled and given to her to drink and say, Arise from thy flux. But should this fail, dig seven trenches and burn in one of them cuttings from the vines not yet circumcised, which means vines of less than four years old, and let her take in her hand a cup of wine and let her be led from this trench and set down over that trench and go back to that trench and be removed from that trench and set down over another. And then uh, each removal, you must say to her, arise from your flux. Should that fail, come on. Time fails me. To, to, these are just the ones that, that, that seemed sane. The horrible physical things that she also endured because of this are just as alarming. I don't choose to share those things. I imagine, however, you know, um, I imagine that people who are lost, people who have this life-draining, uh, uh, life-threatening situation where they are lost in their sins and where they literally they, they, they want to get better, and perhaps they have carried their problems to, to people that they feel as though should know what to do. But some of the advice that people tell you to, to try to fix your marriage or to try to fix your relationship with your children or on your job or, 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 or to fix the fears or the worries or the, or, or the frustrations or aggravations or irritations or the, or the problems of your nation, they are all just as empty as these right here. Why? Because there is but one answer. His name is Jesus Christ, the only answer for sin, the only answer for those things which are life-draining and life-troubling we find here in the Word of God. One 
great need of this woman. Now she had done every, she had followed all of the good advice. She had done everything. She had suffered many things from many people who no doubt cared about her. But not one of them worked. It cost her everything she had. And at the end of the day, she was no better. But whether things got worse. You want to know where the answer is? The answer is in Jesus. Because the next very verse tells us that. Verse 27. And when she heard about Jesus. Okay, something fixing to change here. Something is about to change. You know, when she heard of Jesus, <laughs> she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, let, let me share with you something that, 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 that is wonderful and something that is, that, that, that is not always so wonderful. One thing is that she heard about Jesus. Now, that's wonderful. You know, we need to be telling about Jesus because people need to hear about Jesus because Jesus is the answer. For the problem you're facing, for the frustration, aggravation, irritation, for the fear, for the worry, you know, for, 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 you know, for the lostness. But look what she did. When she heard of Jesus, she came into a crowd. You know how many people hear of Jesus and walk through the back doors of this church or some other church and they come into a crowd? Or it even seems in their mind that they're stepping into, to, you know, uh, maybe they're stepping into a world that they haven't stepped in before. You know, there's a whole crowd of Christians. There's a whole crowd of, 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 of born-again believers out here that someone who is on the outside trying to step, you know, closer to Jesus, they're kind of stepping into a crowd that they may not have been in before, and they may not feel comfortable, and they may not know what's going on. They may not understand that we're you know, lifting up our hands and that and we're singing or we're dancing or we're praying or we're happy. or we're, And we all look like this crowd that is accepted. That, that, that Jesus is familiar with and they're familiar with Jesus we all look like this crowd that, that, that Jesus is happy that we're here but is Jesus happy that she's here she didn't feel like she's supposed to be there you know, you know, you know how many people come into church and feel like I shouldn't be here you know I don't know what I'm doing I really shouldn't be here you know, this is not me. This is not my crowd. The rest of them know what they're doing, but I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, they were all pressed around Jesus, and, and, and they were all touching him, and they were all, you know, I mean, they, they, but, but she, she was the one with the problem. She was the only one that knew she had her problem, and she's going into a place where it looks like people don't have problems, where they're all happy and, and excited. And you, you, you get the picture? It's wonderful that people hear about Jesus, but sometimes the crowd they step into is a very unfamiliar place, a place where they can feel unwelcomed. I hope that if you're here this morning and you stepped into this crowd that you don't feel unwelcomed. I hope if you stepped into this crowd this morning that you don't feel as though that everybody else knows what's going on and you're the only one that doesn't. You're the odd person out and, 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 and you're, you know, you're probably wrestling with yourself, should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go? I mean, are people looking at me? Or pe do, do people know that I have this problem? Do people know that I'm going through divorce? Do people know that I'm going through bankruptcy? Do people know that I'm, that I'm you know, wrestling with this, struggling with that? Do people know that I, you know, that I just got out of jail yesterday? You know, I mean, <laughs> oh, this is good stuff. We're getting a picture here. Jesus is giving us a picture. It's the glory of, a, of, 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 you know, of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. We're kings and priests. So let's, you know, let's look at, at every account of each story. What is God's intent here? 
How, how layered is this? He's showing us a picture here of redemption. He's showing us a picture of an unclean woman who is in reality not really welcomed in his crowd. If people knew her and if they knew you know, her past, they would not want her there. Wow, isn't that interesting? I wonder if there, you know, surely there's no church, you know, in America or anywhere in the world that would feel that way about anybody. When she heard of Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, no doubt feeling unworthy, and touched his garment. Wow. No doubt she was intimidated. She probably didn't feel worthy to actually talk to him or, or get in front of him. She came in behind him and pressed through the crowd and touched his garment. Why did she do that? Because she had been coaching herself. She heard of Jesus. She heard about a man who, who would love her and care about her and help her and not abuse her and not confuse her and not take advantage of her. That had to be too good to be true. For so many people around the world today, that's just too good to be true. But it's true nonetheless. And she said to herself, evidently she heard some good things about him. And she said to herself, if, if, if I can only get close enough, if I can just get one foot in, if I can just, if, 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 if I can just get in the door, if I can only get close enough just to touch his clothes, I'll be made well. I've heard what he can do. I've, I've heard down there at that church, those people are happy and joyful, and I want some of that, and I know that, I, 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 I really know. Why? Because there is something that happens on the inside of a person when they hear about Jesus. It's like that little woman in, in uh, 1 Kings 17, where Elijah got to the, the widow of Zarephath, and he said to her, if you'll make me a cake first, God will sustain you. Later on, you can read that when he spoke to her the word of God, it awakened something on the inside of her. What gave her the faith? What gave her the inclination to go and make you know, her last meal and give it to a bum, a dirty stranger bum on the, on, on the streets instead of feeding her child? Because something was awakened here. You know, when we speak the word of God to people, when we tell people about Jesus, it wakes something up right here. That's what happened to her. It's a picture of, you know, she heard. Well, so what she heard? She probably heard of a lot of things. She probably heard of a physician. She probably heard of another remedy. She probably heard that she could go to another country. She probably heard a lot of things. But when she heard of Jesus, it awakened something on the inside of her, and she said, I know something now. This is something that, that hits me different than just another remedy, than just another Band-Aid. This is something, I mean, when we tell people about Jesus, that he'll save their soul, that he cares about them and loves them, that he won't confuse them, abuse them, misuse them, that he wants nothing from them but to love them and care. When we tell them about Jesus, I've seen it all over the world. I was sitting in Acapulco one night at a table and somebody said, listen, you know, if you think it's so easy to lead somebody to the Lord, the next person that comes to the table, lead them to the Lord. So that next person came in, he was a waiter, and I led him to the Lord there, and he, and he prayed to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and he walked off, and they said, yeah, that didn't take. Yeah, well, it's easy to get somebody to pray, but they said to me, do you think that made a difference? And all of a sudden, this waiter, with his foot, 
kicked the doors, the swinging doors open to that restaurant and came out and he said, my God, my life is changed. And he began and he ran over to the table and he said, I want you to know that something happened in here. When I got back into the kitchen and something happened, my God, my life has changed. Thank you. Thank you. I have hope now. I turned to that man who was an optometrist from Little Rock, Arkansas, and I said, well, do you think it made a difference? The little woman here do you think it made a difference when she heard about Jesus? Yes, it awakens something here. When we tell people about a loving Jesus, not a condemning, judgmental, critical Jesus, but a loving Jesus that cares about them, has a plan for their life, and despite whatever they've done or where they've been or who they've been or the problems they've caused, that he will save their soul, that he will heal their heart. When we tell them about that Jesus, it awakens something in here. This woman then, with that awakened, said, Man, I know if I could just touch the, if, if, if I just close enough to touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood. Listen, it's immediate. When Jesus saves a soul, it's immediate. When somebody touches him, it's immediate. Immediately. Oh, how fast a person can be saved. She felt the life drain cease immediately. She knew. She knew something was happened. She knew something happened. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Oh, it changed her whole life. Suddenly, immediately, that's what Jesus can do. Verse 30, and Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, he, 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 he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touch my clothes oh, I love that I love the fact that Jesus knows every time somebody touches him for the first time <laughs> Woo! okay I'm gonna get Pentecostal now okay I love it that Jesus knows he knew every time somebody touches him every time somebody gets saved he knows it he knows it. Whether you're in a crowd or whether you're hidden, wherever you may be in your home, in your closet, in your car, wherever you may be, Jesus knows whenever you touch him and whenever you allow him into your heart and life to change your life. He, he knows when you get saved. He knows it. The crowd didn't know it. The ministers didn't know it. <laughs> the worshipers didn't know it. Wow. You know, I may not know it this morning. Your family, your friends may not know it, but you'll know it. You and Jesus, immediately, you can get saved right now. Call upon him. Come into my heart and my life, Jesus. Save my soul. Forgive me of my sins. Teach me how to live. Jesus, I believe you are my Lord. Boom. Boom. Saved. It might happen to you. It might be having somebody sitting right in here right now. I may not know it. The crowd may not know it. Nobody else will know it, but Jesus will know it. He turned around and said, Who touched me? And his disciples said to him, Do you know how many people are touching you? Yes, that's true. We're all touching him this morning. We're all touching him. But when somebody touches him for salvation, it's a different touch. He, he, he loves us reaching out and touching him. He loves us, you know, worshiping. Yeah, but, but man, let me tell you, whenever somebody touches him from that desperate, life-draining, life-threatening life need, he knows 
when he's been touched. And he cares about who touched him. And there he turned and said, who touched me? He looked around to see her that had done this thing. I love it. You know, not only does Jesus stop, but the Bible says angels stop in heaven. And they rejoice over, over one sinner that repents more than over the 99 that's touching him in praise and worship all morning. So if you were here in praise and worship this morning and 99 were touching Jesus and you're the one that didn't even know how to touch him and you called out to him, guess what? You just became special. Heaven's spotlight just came right down on you right now. Boom. And we may not even know it, but boom, Jesus stops. Heaven stops. They all rejoice. This is a picture of, of, of salvation. But then everything in the Word of God is. It's, it's, it's one story that he's telling and every scripture is a piece to that puzzle. Jesus so loves those in need. He loves the, to, to stop the hurt. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him, told him all the truth. It's been important to confess him, by the way. It's important to confess him even in front of the crowd. Okay? It's important to, to, to let people know. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Your faith. It's your faith. It's your trust. You know? Jesus will save you because you believe in him, just like this woman. Well, let me just uh, cut to the chase as we are concluding today. Okay. The reality is that God never abandons you just because you're wrong. Okay. You've been wrong. And in the future, if you ever find yourself wrong again, or if you find someone else who is wrong, don't imagine in this period of grace, in this great dispensation of the church age, that Jesus is wanting to do anything but save. Amen. He's wanting to save. He's wanting to heal. He's wanting to fix. So pray for everybody. And tell everybody about Jesus. Because when they hear, it wakes up something on the inside of you. you know? And also, God's plan always includes the time you need to wait on Him. If there's something that you are needing, you know, give God something to work with and wait on Him. And see what God will do. All right. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.